1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. And it always strikes me as odd how that uh, it's very typical when I get to what I would think would be like a holiday service, the message seems especially important, and I'm not sure why that is. Uh, I don't know if the Lord orchestrates that so that the super diligent get the stronger word. I'm not sure, but it just seems that way to me. Maybe it's my own Maybe it's my own psychological makeup. You know, I'm thinking, man, everybody needs to hear this. But, uh, of course, I think that a lot about a lot of the word. Uh, I'm not going to be able to review because I won't be able to make the progress that I need to make tonight. Uh, but let's go back and look at Mark 8:38. Jesus said, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. And because the last Wednesday that Austin taught, he dealt with the Word of God, I've kind of been on that since, the last couple of Wednesdays. And I've come to the conclusion, I think, that James 1.22 is the most important verse in the Bible. But be you doers of the Word and not hearers, only deceiving your own selves. The NIV says, do not merely listen to the Word, and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. So we said last week, uh, people are defeated because they do not take God at his word. Say it out loud. People are defeated because they do not take God at his word. And we said that people are defeated because they do not apply God's word to their lives. Say it out loud. God's, God's people are defeated because they do not apply God's word to their lives. Now, I guess people could look at me and think I'm judgmental. It's not that. It's a heart that sees a lot of wreckage and heartbreak that, to me, is completely unnecessary. It's just unnecessary. And uh, the Bible has certain things to say about a variety of issues. But the Bible doesn't talk about everything. The Bible doesn't tell you which, what your favorite color should be. The Bible doesn't tell you how you should cut your hair. The Bible doesn't tell you what kind of clothes you ought to wear. I mean, uh, the Bible doesn't... God doesn't care. whether If you want a two-story colonial house or you want a one-story ranch house. See, there's a, there's a whole lot God doesn't care about. It's up to you. It's what you want. But there's a phrase Dad Hagen would use, any law given by God to curb sin. And people have a problem with the idea of sin. And it's almost like they want us to believe they never committed one. Uh, but a lot of people have a misunderstanding about God. And that is that he's a party pooper, uh, that he's a nosy Nelly, that he just wants to be in your business. But see, he's the ancient of days. He is wisdom and light. He is knowledge and understanding. And he knows that if we go down certain roads, all we have ahead of us is wreckage. And so a lot of the damage I see, to me, is unnecessary. And so we talk about being a doer of the Word of God. And, of course, some people don't like that because they, they don't want to hear about that. Because, see, here's the bottom line. When I woke up this morning, the Lord showed me that this generation is all about 
how stuff makes you feel. Well, I, 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 in fact, the, the therapy generation pay $450 an hour and you go in there and somebody says, well, how does that make you feel? Well, I got saved 60 years ago and I've been praying an hour a day as long as I can remember. And in all that time, the Lord has never one time asked me, how do you feel? <laughs> or how do you feel about that? So apparently, it's superfluous. And then, you know, when you need to pay your mortgage, it doesn't matter how you feel. When you have a flat tire, it doesn't matter how you feel. You see what I'm saying? In other words, reality is brutal. And literally, they're teaching kids now, two plus two does not always equal five. Well, I don't want myself to fly in any airplane designed by any two plus two five Amen. aeronautical engineer. Amen. Do you understand what I'm saying? Amen. Because certain things are immutable truth. I mean, that's north, and you could live a thousand years, and that's going to be north. Exactly. Two plus two is four, yes. and I don't care who you are, what color you are, two plus two is always going to be four. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, uh, but, but that's offensive because of the way people have been trained up in these public schools. Well, I think. It doesn't really matter what you think. See, right there, that's offensive. That I would say, it doesn't matter what you think. You can think whatever you want to think. But the, but the truth is, see, the truth is, the truth is, and even on the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Apart from me, there is no other. There's no other way. But in seminaries now, for I don't know how many decades, they've been teaching syncretism, that it doesn't matter how you're trying to get to God so long as you're trying to get to God. And uh, George W. Bush, President 43, that was, what, that was the ideology he was burping out after September 11. See, so these things get in the culture. That's my point. And you let things get in the culture enough, and even God's people don't even know What's causing their train wrecks? Because, see, see, the thing is, if you believe a lie, every decision you make after that is a mistake. Can you see that? I mean, let's say 2 plus 2 equals 5, and you draw a skyscraper. It's all going to be wrong. Or you say 2 plus 2 equals 5 and you design an airplane, it's going to fall out of the sky. Do you see where I'm coming from? In other words, when you believe any lie and you go on down that road, every decision you make is going to be like that Fauci pitch. You know, it's just going to be off. So God's people are defeated. I'm not talking about the lost and unsaved. I'm talking about God's people are defeated because they do not take God at his word and God's people are defeated because they do not apply God's word to their lives. And that's where we left off last time. Say it out loud. And, and, and I, I don't have time to go back and reread John 8. But in John 8, the famous words of Jesus, you sh ye shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. I mean, there's music in that. We've all heard great black preachers preach on, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And that's true. But if you read the context like we did last Wednesday, he's not just saying having an acquaintance with the truth is what sets you free. It's taking action on the truth that you know that sets you free. I can know that lifting weights helps me build muscle, but if I don't take action on that knowledge, I don't get more muscle. I can know that consuming fewer calories reduces my weight, but if I don't take action on that and consume less calories, I don't reduce my weight. So you shall know the truth, but it's the truth that you know 
and take action upon that sets you free. Say it out loud. The truth that sets me free is the truth that I hear, the truth that I apply, and the truth that I put into practice in my life. So the bottom line reality of the situation is this. The reason so many Christians are broke, busted, and disgusted is because they're disobedient to the Word of God. That's it. It's not that their faith is failing. The reality is they never had any faith to begin with. And how do we know they never had any faith to begin with? Because Jesus taught us in John 8 that a man is what he does. Say it out loud. A man is what he does. does. You know, I had a guy come in for counseling once, and he he said, uh, you know, I must have used the word adulterer in in the counseling session. He said, I'm not an adulterer. I said, I said, a man is what he does. I said, you know, you're cheating on your wife. You're an adulterer. Well, I'm not, I, I may have done that, but that's not what I am. I said, most certainly that is exactly and precisely what you are. <laughs> if you rob a bank, what is the Arlington Police Department going to call you? Bank a bank robber. <laughs> right? Unless you're a politician, and they'll, then they'll call it a campaign contribution. <laughs> So the multitudes who populate many of America's churches today are living defeated lives because they have no faith. They're disobedient children. They manifest their unbelief by their disobedience, for if they really believe God, they would obey his commands. And that is why so many Christians are just defeated. But all all of this defeat, and this is why that last Wednesday night Austin taught in my absence really caught my attention because he was dealing with the Bible. And listen, this is all we have. Yeah, but I got the Holy Spirit. If it weren't for this, you wouldn't know there was a Holy Spirit. Yeah, but I'm saved. Yeah, but if it weren't for this, you wouldn't have known how to get saved. See, this is all we have. And so the whole world and the whole culture and all of it is about getting God's people to abandon this. They're not worried about the Satan's people. Satan's people have no regard for the Bible. So it's all about getting God's people off of the word of God. That's the beginning and the end of the agenda. And if you think Dr. Seuss is the real target, then you have not read the Pauline epistles because Dr. Seuss is not one one hundredth as offensive as the Apostle Paul. And I'm not, I, got, I have no vested interest in Dr. Seuss. I could care less. But the point is, that's not what they're after. So 1 John 5, 3 and 4, this is love for God to obey his commands and his commands are not burdensome for everyone born of God to be overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So the reason the commands of God are not burdensome is because they lead to victory. Say it out loud. The reason, the, reason the commands of God are not burdensome is because they lead to victory. That's it. So why did I tell my daughter and her husband at their wedding in 2010? Or what did I tell my daughter and her husband at their wedding in 2010? I said, love God and his word first. And why is this important? Because this is how victory is attained. This is it. Don't believe it? Just check out the lifestyle of a joyful, faith-filled doer of the word. And then check out the lifestyle of a disobedient church goer. As they told me when I was a child, the proof is in the pudding. Or as Jesus said, Matthew 7, 16, and 20, by their fruit, you will recognize them. And what is it about, what is it about America in 2021? All the miserable people want happy people to be miserable. I mean, if the, if the, if the vaccine saves you, well, why the heck do I need one? If the mask protects you, then why the heck do I need one? Do you understand? And if social distancing works, then stay the hell away from me. (laughs) Do you understand? But but in other words, because I'm living free, why why is that a problem? Shout out loud, I'm a free person. I'm a free person. Amen. Amen. Well, the same thing is true on all of this other stuff. See, we had a, a man in the church. He's, 
Yeah. We had a man in the church, and, and he was spending $50,000 a year on a cocaine habit and partying and a string of women. And his mother had no, no problem with it, no qualms, no, no consternation, no lectures. Well, some way, somehow, they wandered into the doors of Cathedral of Praise up at I-30, and I won them to the Lord, him and, him and the latest gal. I won them to the Lord. And guess what happened? What do you think they wanted to do? Huh? They wanted to get married. So we married him. And uh, he had a great idea. He said, look, Pastor, we know a lot of sinners. And he said, they'll come to our wedding. He said, can we do a wedding after church on a Wednesday night? I said, absolutely. And uh, so uh, we did the wedding after the uh, service on a Wednesday night. And I mean, there were a lot of sinners there. You know, all those cocaine heads and all those people, amen, and partiers and all of that. Okay, but then he started tithing. And his mother fell out with him because he got married. He wasn't partying. He was holding down a regular job and he was tithing. And she had a problem with that. See, what, that's what I'm saying. What is it about the culture out here that if they're unhappy, they're on a mission to make you as unhappy as they are? Can you see that? So... Check out the lifestyle of a faith-filled doer of the word and then check out the lifestyle of a disobedient churchgoer. So why is it the disobedient churchgoers fail in this life? Why do they fail to overcome in this life? Why do the disobedient fail to live the overcoming lifestyle in this life? Proverbs 1. Proverbs 1, picking up in verse 22, how long will you simple ones love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? If you had responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. But since you rejected me when I called and no one gave heed when I stretched out my hand, since you ignored all my advice and would not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh at your disaster. I will mock when calamity overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. Then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. Since they would not accept my advice and spurn my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes for the waywardness of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of fear of harm. And there it is. And then Isaiah 119, if you are willing and obedient, you'll eat the best from the land. But verse 20 says, we all love verse 19, but verse 20 says, but if you resist and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I also reject you as my priest because you have ignored the law of your God. I also will ignore your children. You know, it's, it's, it's just, you know, it's just amazing to me how people want to bully us. Now, you know, we're basically libertarians. You know, we'll say, go do what you want. But I mean, myself, I mean, why would I, why would I want to get a vaccine for something that has a 99.8% recovery rate? And, and, and not some vaccine, you know, like MMR that's been in use and been studied and has been tested forever, but I'm talking about some experimental vaccine. And people don't seem to realize because people don't read these RNA vaccines have never been used in the history of the world. And let me tell you something else, too. Anything the government's really invested in, I shy from. You know, if they think it's a real big deal, then, you know, I think I'm going to pass. <laughs> and besides, they hate us anyway. So if we don't get it and we die, then they should be happy. <laughs> I, I don't see what the problem is. And I survived 65 years without it. 
you know, I, I, I got a problem with my pool, but, you know, can't get the guy out there because he got his vaccine and he's as sick as a dog. I thought, now, isn't that fascinating? You know, the last time I saw a doctor, he said, have you had your flu shot this year? I said, no. I said, I haven't had the flu since 1985. Why would I get a flu shot? Well, you ought to get a flu shot because you're aged. And this was a long time back. And I said, oh, I said, correct me if I'm wrong. But I said, in that flu shot, there's a little bit of flu. Well, yeah, that's how it works. I said, why would I stick a needle in my arm to inject myself with something I haven't had since 1985? And I said, apparently, since I haven't had it since 1985, I got one heck of an immune system on this right here. Amen. See, another, and now I didn't go to preaching, but what I was thinking was, I'm going to trust what God gave me. Amen. You know, this genius architect I read just last night, I think it was, in my annual Bible reading, how I was wonderfully Hallelujah. formed in my mother's womb. Yes. I'm going to trust that. Now, y'all do what you want, but don't be, don't be condemning me, man. Amen, because I'm free. Uh, you know, if you were born after 1995, you might sign up for all of it, but man, I mean, I was, I was born back when we were free, and I'm going to stay free until I hit the city of God, and then I'm going to be free there. So God is not Santa Claus, he's not politically correct, and he's not a communist or a socialist. Let me tell you what. All these people with all their ideas and theories and opinions, I'm not talking about COVID, I'm talking about morality. I'm talking about the trans agenda. I'm talking about all this they're promoting with our tax money. They're all going to bust hell wide open. There's not going to be a lawyer. There's not going to be a second chance. There's not going to be a purgatory. There ain't going to be nobody getting them out with burning candles. Hail and Mary or Jude or whatever. There's not going to be any American Civil Liberties Union there to help them. There's not going to be any help whatsoever, boom, they're going to come into immutable truth. That's right. And it's going to be an, un let me tell you what, all these people complaining and protesting and carrying on, whining and crying, and, and I don't know about you, but I've about had it up to my fullness with rich, famous people complaining. Amen. You know, royalty going on the billionaire Oprah show, and they're all complaining. You know what I'm saying? They should all get a job cleaning out dog kennels. I mean, Oprah is the richest woman in the world. She's richer than the queen, those two were complaining about. And America's so racist. If America's so racist, how did a black woman become the richest woman in the world in the United States of America? I mean, it's literally nuts. And I'm the last sane man. I'm telling you, it's crazy. They invent grievance. Grievance is their agenda. Get everybody all stirred up against everybody else. And fear is an agenda. Hebrews 11.6. God's not a, tell your neighbor, God's not a Santa Claus. Hebrews 11, 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Say it out loud, the good life, the good life. excuse me, the God life, the God life. Is, the good life. is the good life. Amen. Amen. Little things, little things, little things from the book of Proverbs. We, we purposefully kept our children away from famous people. We purposefully, I couldn't tell you how many ministers things Sue and I went to over the years, and we purposefully kept our children away from the sons and daughters of famous people because they're entitled and they're messed up. Right. I mean, and you might say, well, pastor, you know, your children were raised in a, in a, in a, uh, blessed atmosphere. Yeah, 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 yeah. But man, I mean, we enforced rules. And, and a lot of the sons and daughters of rich people, they grew up in an atmosphere with no rules and no consequences. Serving God doesn't cost us. Serving God pays off. 
Serving God doesn't cost us. Serving God pays off. One of the biggest lies Satan has ever gotten people to believe is that it's too hard to serve the Lord. Serving the Lord is not hard. Serving the Lord is easy compared to living to sin, living in servitude to sin. I mean, think about it. I've never practiced safe sex in my life. I've never, no illegal drug has ever entered my body. So I'm not bound to anything. So I'm saying I'm free. See, a lot of people, you know, oh man, you know, just go out there and sow your wild seeds and all of that. What they don't tell you is you can catch something and spend the rest of your life scratching and taking pills. See, there's no warning label on it. I can still hear him, Dr. Lester Summerall, lean across my coffee table one Sunday night and pointed at me and said, just live a good, straight, clean, moral life. And see, then you don't have any issues. There's freedom in God. The pathway to success is easy, not hard, like so many people would like for us to believe. And the first key to living the overcoming lifestyle is to love God and his word first, to put God and his word first. 1 Timothy 4, 8, Godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Say it out loud. Godliness is profitable, Godliness is profitable unto all things. So Dad Hagen used to say, it doesn't, it doesn't cost to serve the Lord, it pays. When, when Austin was getting ready to do his uh, doctoral thesis over here at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, I don't remember if it was a proposal or a rough draft, but he, he had a great idea to, to do his dissertation on Billy Sunday's message. And but man, that was, that was taboo. They don't want they didn't want to hear about Billy Sunday. They had prejudice because Billy Sunday preached prosperity. But the way he preached prosperity is not the way we preach it at all. You know how Billy Sunday? Billy Sunday would go. Billy Sunday was the greatest evangelist of his day. But he used to he started out like in Union Gospel Mission centers and Salvation Army venues and stuff like that. The way Billy Sunday used to preach prosperity was, look, if you'll just stop smoking and drinking and whoring and take all that money and keep it for yourself and your family, you're automatically going to prosper. That's the way he taught prosperity, not, not the way we teach it here, although that works. And, and of course... That was back before heroin was a big deal. But just think about just think about how are these cartels getting so rich? It's because of Americans using drugs. Okay, so those cartels are rich based on people here using drugs. What if those people here kept that money, didn't do drugs, and saved that money for themselves and their families? How much money are we talking about? Billions a year, maybe billions a week. Amen. And people don't even know now. They're making more money trafficking women across that border than they are trafficking, trafficking drugs across that border. Now, you listen to what I'm saying. And this is why everybody that wants that border open is responsible for all the carnage. That's right. That is right. They are making more money now because you're gonna, when you sell a drug, that's the end of that transaction. But when you move a young gal across that border, you can sell her over and over and over and over and over and over ad infinitum until she's used up. Then you throw her in a ditch and you bring another one across the border. Right. Right. And when was the last time you heard a politician talk about it? But wait a minute, they couldn't do that if there weren't a lot of demand for that. See, it's like drugs. They couldn't sell drugs if there weren't a lot of demand for that. See, in other words, maybe it wasn't such a great idea to give up uh, marriage and the nuclear family. See, if a, if, a guy, if a guy is a Christian and a guy picks a gal and a guy gets married to a gal and a guy's faithful to a gal, well, he's never going to want to rent one of those women. Can you see this? 
And at the end of the day, you hear this, at the end of the day, sin is using another human being. That's what sin is. Using another human. I'm not talking about making an honest profit. Somebody brings your brings their car in to get their muffler system replaced and you replace it and you make a profit. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about using another human being. And that's what sin is. So serving the Lord doesn't cost, it pays. Anyone who takes issue with this statement either doesn't read their Bible or doesn't understand their Bible. Sure, in the moment when we initially give our lives to the Lord, in that moment, it seems like it's costing us everything. But when we get 20, 10 or 20 years down the road and look back at our lives in the rearview mirror, we realize that serving the Lord has cost us nothing. In the moment, it seems like you're giving everything up. But when you look back 10, 20 years, you realize it didn't cost you anything. You pulled ahead by serving the Lord. We realize that serving the Lord is paid off handsomely. When someone has given up, whatever someone has given up to follow the Lord is not worth anything by comparison. And the Apostle Paul calls it dung. It is not to be compared with the incomparable gain and blessing and prosperity that comes from following and serving the Lord of glory. It specifically talks about this in Hebrews 11 in the Faith Hall of Fame, that that Moses gave up the pleasures of Egypt for a season. Think about it. He was the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I mean, think about it. Think about it. Think about the food. Think about the house. Think about the palace. Think about the servants. Think about the women. Think about all of that that he could have had. But he gave it up and became the greatest prophet of God in the entirety of the word of God to the Jewish people nobody compares to Moses to the Jewish folks Abraham is small potatoes compared to Moses so whatever he gave up uh, I wouldn't have done that Okay, in the history of the world, how many people can call water out of a rock? In the history of the world, how many people can bring the angels of uh, the bread of angels down from heaven every morning? In the history of the world, how many can, I mean, you know, Elijah and Elisha, they parted the Jordan River and, and uh, Joshua parted the Jordan River. But in the history of humanity, how many parted the Red Sea? He's in a class by himself. but he gave up something to get there. And nobody ever asked him how he felt about it. Anyone who insists on holding on to the concept of cost is operating in pride, refusing to acknowledge the relative worthlessness of whatever price they think they have paid to walk with God. The economics of it are are simple. If you gain more than you lose, a transaction doesn't cost, it pays. I mean, really, it's offensive. It's a stench in the nostrils of God to talk about what you gave up to be a believer because we gained heaven. So say it out loud. Godliness is profitable unto all things. And then there's a material payoff to loving God's word. And people hate this, but here it is. 1 Timothy 4.8, Godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come so let's begin with billy sunday's premise that if i just give up drugs and alcohol and whores and heroin and whatever i'm going to be i'm going to be a wealthier human being i'm going to be a wealthier individual all right nobody could argue with that but then we go beyond that we believe god based on the word of god that he'll bless our labor that he'll bless the work of our hands so one of the biggest lies satan has ever gotten people to believe is that it's too hard to serve the lord look You know, my life is totally boring. It is. I mean, I study, I pray, I make Sue happy, and then I go back and I study and I pray. I mean, no nightclubs, no hangovers. You know what I'm saying? Uh, No drugs, no prescription drugs. uh, But you know, I'm a free man. 
So if you have believed the lie that it costs too much to serve the Lord, then you have believed a lie. Serving the Lord doesn't cost, it pays. And I know, I know people go off to college and uh, they think it's all great and all the free sex and all of that. There's a guy here tonight, he and uh, Austin and I went to lunch one day and we were talking about some of these things. And I told him there at lunch that day, you know, they were young men. I was trying to help them and I told him, I said, look, I said, there's nothing in this world like having a woman and she's yours and she loves you and she gives herself to you voluntarily. There's nothing in the world like that. Amen. You know, yeah, but you know, I could go have 10 or 15. Yeah, but you know, you think you're using them, they're using you. They don't care whether you live or die. My dad had an affair with a woman. And when I was in high school, you know, she was this little petite thing, skinny. And uh, when he died, he was in a hotel room across the river in Covington, Kentucky. And my father never carried less than $500, never. I saw my father buy my mom a new washer and dryer and pull the C-notes out of his wallet. He never carried less than $500. And when that Kentucky state trooper drove across the river and knocked on my mother's door and said that he'd been found dead in a hotel room by himself and had $40 on him, I had the picture. That, uh, and then let me, let me fast forward. So I go over there. Uh, cruel, cruel. People are cruel when they don't live for God. He always told my mom, if anything ever happens to me, you, you go to the dealership, Ford dealership yourself and clean out the credenza. And she didn't want to do that, so I went. Well, it was chock full of all these pictures of them in Vegas and pictures of them here and pictures of them there. And I mean, I mean, she wasn't what I remembered from high school. I mean, that woman was as big as a rhinoceros. <laughs> <laughs> So when my mother told me the story that this Kentucky State Trooper had knocked on the door and said, we found your husband dead alone in a hotel room in Covington with $40 in his wallet, I had the picture. I had the picture. I had the picture. He's there having a heart attack in the throes of death. And the last thing he saw was this huge woman rifling through his wallet so she could skedaddle and call 911 from some remote location. Now, my mom, with all of her faults, was a licensed vocational nurse, and if he had been where he belonged, he could have lived a little longer. I assure you, if I had some episode and I was in the throes of death, the woman I got would not be spending the time going through my wallet. Do you see it? But all this sex ad and the movies and TV, they have got this entire generation brainwashed and... They call it free sex. I don't think in the history of humanity there has ever been a, a, a bigger lie than free sex. And I'm saying this for the sake of young men or those maybe young men watching. A chick's going to find a way to make you pay. So may as well do it God's way and it all be in covenant because one way or the other, you're going to pay. You're either going to pay by getting the clap or you're going you're gonna to pay, you know, the 500 bucks or whatever it is. You're going to pay. So you may as well find you one that thinks you're wonderful. Now, that's harder for some of you than others. 
and do it right. Get married. And then why would you expect her to be faithful to you if you're not faithful to her? And do it God's way. And there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. I have no complaints. It went a little faster than I thought it would, but other than that, I, I, have, I have no complaints. It's all wonderful. What God, what God, what God designed is wonderful. It's man that has screwed it up. You want to see God? Go look at something like the Grand Canyon. Now, don't look at what man built. Just look at what God did. And then go somewhere like the Bronx and look around. And you'll understand the difference between what man can do versus what God can do. God is beautiful. God is wonderful. God is loving. God is gracious. God is kind. But still, I lived longer. My uncle lived only into his 30s. He died in a restroom stall out at General Dynamics. He was an engineer. Talk about an ignoble end. His father, my father's father, lived to, I think, 53. And uh, his heart gave out. But that was because of who he married. Oh, my gosh. Talk about, I mean, my grandmother was the meanest human being I ever met in my entire life. My father lived to 63. I'm past them all. I'm past them all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I take no... I take no pills. I got no pain. I have all of my original parts. I got a woman that's crazy about me. It's wonderful. Lift your hands up. Say, Father God, you're wonderful. Say it. Tell them again. Father God, you're wonderful. But you see how... They've wrecked and ruined this culture, not just with public schools, but what they're doing in the colleges and the universities. They're down there at A&M. We have a student at A&M, and they're down there at A&M. A&M is the most conservative public college in the state of Texas, and they're down there at A&M teaching them at A&M that socialism is, was the basis for the Constitution of the United States. Any third grader at St. Paul's has reading level, reading comprehension good enough, they could read the Constitution of the United States and tell you there's no socialism in it anywhere. But we live in a, in a, in a culture where people just believe what they're told. And everybody's saying, well, how do you feel about it? I got my first job when I was 10 years old. Nobody asked me how I felt about it. You know, I'm going to give the illustration Sunday. I've told a thousand times. I thought I was praying in 1989. I wasn't praying. I was complaining. I told God, I said, I'm tired of not ever having any money. He didn't say, how do you feel about that? He didn't say, I'm going to send FedEx by 10 a.m. He said, he, he, he chastised me. He said, son, you never have any money because you never save any money. That's who God is. See, God will come along and say, now, if you want that result, then you got to do this and this and this and this. And people complain. Well, who does he think he is? Uh, God. That's who he thinks he is. And there is no other. There's no one that can compare. You know, I just finished Isaiah. Now I'm in Jeremiah. Isaiah was making fun of them because they would, they would go out there and they would chop down a tree and they would use part of the tree to build a fire to keep them warm. They would use part, part of the wood to build a fire to keep them warm. Then they would use part of the wood to, uh, you know, do whatever maintenance projects they needed to do with their house. Then they would take part of the wood and they would carve an idol. Then they would bow down to the wood and say, you are my God and you delivered us from Egypt and, and now you, you needed to deliver me. And they would pray from the same tree that they, they used to build a fire. 
But that's what Americans are doing right now with Fauci and Burks and Redfield and the governors and the presidents. They're making gods out of nothings. And we need to, we need to understand that he is the Lord and this is his book. He is the Lord, and this is his book. Amen. And what we would do if we were smart is dig, in, dig around in here to find out what it says about what we need and then take action on it, whatever that is. The Lord spoke to me when I got up Monday morning, and he said, don't you see it? You have no idea the resistance uh, Sometimes I get, and I realize sometimes I'm out there. I do. You just have to realize I don't care anymore. But when I, when I said to my staff, that, and, and I didn't say to my staff, I said it on a Sunday morning, the Lord had been dealing with me for years about challenging this congregation to lose 10,000 pounds. And I blurted it out. Well, then the next Tuesday I heard about it. Don't you think that's a little too much? I mean, don't you think that's just too much? How about 2,000 pounds? Now, I heard 10,000 pounds, but think about it. The Lord spoke to me Monday morning, and you know what he told me? He said, I knew COVID was coming. Do you see it? And so we save ourselves. Not just by heeding the written word of God, we save ourselves. I'm going to say something I, I never say, but we're so close to the end. There's, you know, I'm going to throw caution to the wind. We save ourselves by heeding the written word of God, but we save ourselves also by heeding the rhema Christos by the Holy Spirit of God. But then there's something else. We save ourselves by heeding the words of his prophets. Because the Lord said to Amos, I do nothing without telling my prophets in advance. So he didn't explain it all. He doesn't explain it all. But he'll just say, like he told me, two years back, three years back, whenever that was, he said, get it all paid off and leave a good testimony. He doesn't explain it all. I mean, how many, it's been at least four or five years I've been encouraging everybody, get out of debt and, and let's, get, let's get Faith Christian Center out of debt. You all get out of debt. See, the Lord speaking to me because he knew what was coming. He didn't explain it all, but if we follow instructions, we're further down the road. If we follow instructions, we're protected. Amen? And the Lord is looking out for us. So the pathway to success is easy, not hard, like so many people would have us believe. And the first key to living and overcoming life and overcoming lifestyle is to love God and his word first, to put God and his word first. Now, there are people sitting here tonight and you're upset with me right now because of something I mentioned. I get it. I get it. But we have one or two minds on this. I think it was Sunday. Was it Sunday? I said, you can't go anywhere anymore and hear uh, the word of God preached in such a way that just, I mean, it just presses you back in your seat and, and you, you just feel like you need, to, you need to give your heart to God all over again and, and, and tell God, you know, recommit your life to God all over again and, and tell God that you're going to forsake it all and live for him 100% from this day to your last day. See, all that's gone. We can never again hear a sermon by David Wilkerson, not live. And, and what they're serving up now, most of this out here, it's pablum. I loved it. I loved it because in my heart, in my life, in my thinking, I could never get too committed. I could never be too straight. I could never love God enough. I could never do enough. I could never 
give enough. And so when I sat in a service and I got convicted, I changed. See, so we can either change or we can get, get offended. But if you get offended, the word didn't do you any good. But, you know, just change. Just change. Amen. Just change. You, you didn't actually believe, did you? you? You didn't actually think, did you? You could go live in the city of a perfect being and not change? You, you didn't really think, did you, that you could walk with, you could walk through this life with a perfect being and not change? Of course you're going to have to change. And just because we changed yesterday doesn't mean we, we skate today because he's perfect. So we changed yesterday. Well, then the Holy Spirit of God, and, and, and he doesn't ask you how you feel about it. He'll, he'll, he'll convict you of something yesterday you changed. Then he'll come along and convict you of something else today. I mean, the audacity. You would think he's in charge or something. But all of it is love. I want you to hear me. It's all love because... He's a father. He's a daddy. And, and he wants us to be healthy. And he wants us to live long. And he wants us to be a success. And he wants us to prosper. And, and he wants us to, to live our lives victorious every moment of every day. He's a daddy. Yes. And that's why he comes along. And he, he gives us a strong word in church. Or that's why he comes along. And he gives us a rhema Christos in prayer. That's why he comes along. And he... He chastises us and encourages us to repent and turn and make an adjustment, go on down the road and live a straight life because he loves us. It's all love. It's all based in love. It's love. He loves us. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The worst thing he could do, my friends, is leave us to our own devices. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.